glad that I'm saved. Amen. Because when I think about trying to walk through this world without Jesus, without that firm foundation, without him, I don't know how they do it, honestly. But I'm glad that I serve a God that cares about me. A God that has me on his mind. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. Would you speak to us in this moment, God? Your word is already anointed. So we ask that you would anoint our ears so that we can hear what you're saying. Not just the words that are spoken tonight, but what is it that you're speaking to each one of us individually. We ask that you would uh, open our hearts so that we can receive that word. That it will be uh, cast on fertile ground tonight, God. That it will produce a great, great harvest. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Speak through my vocal cords, think through my mind, all of you and none of me, God. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we have uh, been in this series called Brand New, and we're in uh, part three of the series. And uh, I felt it impressive as we uh, begin a new year, you know, we have this, this word, new, new year, new me, or new me, new year. Um, and I think that before we uh, try to get on this new me tip, um, I believe that there are things that God has for us. There are new things that God has for us, but we have to be in a position to receive those new things. Um, we can't, uh, our, our Pastor Ryan opened up the first week and he uh, uh, talked about the scripture of pouring new wine into old wineskins. And how the scripture talks about that if you try to do that, those wineskins will burst open. And so uh, we're talking about how to walk in the new life that God has for us. Last week we talked about renewing the mind. Um, and we talked about how before we can get, and get to that new life, that we have to relinquish the old way of thinking and the old way of believing. Okay? The old way of thinking and the old way of believing. And we have to begin to establish, to walk in the way that God would have us to think and the way that God would have us to believe. We said that we cannot walk into this year receiving all that God has for us with old thinking and old believing. It is imperative that we know who we are, that we know whose we are, and what God has called us to do. We can't be on unsure foundation about that any longer. We can't be wavering with that anymore. We need to walk into this year knowing who we are, knowing whose we are, and what God has called us to do. We are new creations, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The scripture that we, we are, our core scripture for this series is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, chapter 5, verses 17. And it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in or joined to him by faith, in him as Savior, he is a new creature, new, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. He said the old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, the previous flesh, the previous spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, 
new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. And so with this series, we've been breaking down what that new life, what that brand new life looks like. We started with last week, the thinking and believing. And as we continue today, as we dive into part three of this, we want to talk about brand new speaking and brand new responding. Brand new speaking and brand new responding. After our thinking and our believing have become new, okay, as we talked about last week, as we renew our minds, as we renew our hearts, our speaking and our responding will line up and become brand new as well. Somebody say new speaking. Uh, I want to start today in Luke, Luke chapter 6, and I'd like to start at verse 43. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Okay? Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure of his heart, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is so important that we understand that our speech and our response to the circumstances that we encounter matter. How you talk, how you talk, how you respond when situations occur in your life, it matters. It makes a difference. The speech of someone who's been made brand new, the speech of someone who's been renewed by Christ, it looks different than the way that the world speaks. It should look different than the way that the world speaks. The, 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 the response of someone who, 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 who's God has changed their life, they're going to talk a little differently. People may not know about our, our, our prayer time. They may not know about our time serving in church or, or that we usher or that we volunteer or the, at the church outreaches. They may not see the things that we do in our private time, but they will hear our speech and they will see how we respond when trials come. And that will testify louder than anything else to the transformation that has taken place on the inside of us. A believer, when situations arise or something happens, we shouldn't be cussing people out, plain and simple. I'm just going to say it straight like that. We, we, we just shouldn't. Our response is a little bit different. When we encounter an abrasive situation, we move a little bit differently. Why? Because we no longer move like we in the world. Yeah. We should no longer move like we're in the world. We shouldn't. Because if we're being renewed, 
If we change our, the way that we think, if we change the way that we believe, then what happens is our speech has to change and our response has to change as well. I remember um, my wife when, when uh, a couple years when we got uh, when we were married, uh, we just had, we have random conversations all the time, and she asked me how much gas was. I had no idea how much gas was, and she said, "You you don't go to look at the look at the uh, price when you go to the pump." I, no, I don't. I need it. I gotta go. I'm just gonna put it in there, and it's gonna get to where it gotta get to, and that's it is what it is. And so there was a situation happening, and, and this, the, not the very most recent one, but uh, people, I'm from Atlanta, people in Atlanta were going crazy because something had happened with the gas and the pipeline, and really nothing happened. Uh, they said something might happen, and in Atlanta we get a little excited. So they said something might happen, so beware, and we just went crazy. Uh, people started putting gas in uh, trash bags. It was a whole thing. And, and, and. It, it, was, it was a wild situation, and, and so as we're having this conversation, and she's saying, you don't, you don't look at the gas price? No, I, I don't look at it. I'm not going to be moved when someone tells, oh, hey, the gas is going up. What, what are you going to do? Gas is going up, and, and eggs is going up. And uh, You think I'm going to be up? I'm going to get moved every time something goes up? I have made a decision to put my trust in God, so the way that I respond is a little bit different. I'm not going to respond like the world responds. Why? Because God is my source. God is my source. Well, Pastor Keena, you mean you're not worried about that? No, I'm not. No, I'm sorry. You could be worried about it. You can lose the hair you got. And the, you could be stressed if you want to. I, am, I refuse. My, why? Because I respond differently. Because my trust is in God, so I move a little bit differently when situations arise. Now, I am going to be wise. I'm going to fill up the tank. But I'm not just going to go and be worried about this and that, and I'm not going to do it. Why? Because God continues to renew me, and I'm going to continue to put my faith and my trust in him. And guess what? I still got gas. I'm all right. Why? We have to move differently. Sometimes when we put our focus on the world, and we put our focus on the news, and we put our focus... I'm getting ahead of my message. All right, let me, let me, uh, let me get back. I understand that when it comes to my speech, I will have what I say. I will have what I say. Okay, Pastor Keenan, that's a little that's a little controversial. I don't care. Let me tell you something. My wife, the first day she met me, uh, was it the first day, right, baby? First day she met me, she didn't tell me this because she's a smart woman. Uh, we met each other on a cruise. It's a long story. The short version is we met each other. We wound up talking all night. She goes and tells one of her family members, I'm going to marry him. What, 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 what are you talking about? You will have what you say. We ha we've been so lackadaisical with our words. We, we just say whatever we, what comes to our mind. We just, just be speaking. And then we're trying to figure out why the world is the way it is around us. We're trying to figure out why our health is the way that it is. We're trying to figure out why we always worry. It's because you're not watching your mouth. 
You have to speak differently. You can't speak like the world. They say whatever it is they want to say. No, 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 no. You can't do that because you have been made different. You have been made do new. We have power in our words. There is power in what we say, and we need to be fully aware of the power that the Lord has given us. We need to understand that we have the ability to shape us, to shape our household, to shape our marriage, our kids, and the world around us with what is coming out of our mouth. We have to speak differently. New speaking. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Oh, actually, I'm going to start at verse 20. The Amplifier says, A man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. He will be satisfied with the consequence of his words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear consequences of their words. This right there, plain and simple. Your words are seeds. Those seeds produce fruit. And the scripture says you will be satisfied with the fruit of your mouth. Your words will fill you. You decide what you will be filled with. You decide what you will be filled with. We can, uh, we, when we speak, we can satisfy our spirit or we can cause it to starve. And the opposite is true. What we speak can satisfy our flesh or cause it to starve. The question is, what are you speaking? The thing about a fast is a fast is not so much so you can come out and you can be spiritually, you know, on a cloud nine. It's in a place where you're putting your flesh under submission. There are habits and things that you're doing and there are things that we normally do and we're making a sacrifice, putting our flesh under submission and giving that time to God. What we speak can satisfy our spirit or cause it to starve. What we speak can satisfy our flesh or cause it to starve. It is entirely dependent on what you are speaking. Our words have power, and we should be intentional about what we say and consciously understanding everything that we say has power. Mark chapter 11, Jesus is walking with the disciples. He's walking with the disciples in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 11. It says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple enclosure. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the 12 disciples because it was already late in the day. And on the next day, when they had left Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf. And I I was looking, I said, why is it important that it's in leaf? A fig tree in leaf, usually when you see the leaves, you also see the fruit. Okay, it's a little tidbit, that one's for free. Okay, seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he would find anything on it. But he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, he said to it, he spoke words out of his mouth, he said to it, no one will ever eat fruit 
from you again. And his disciples were listening to what he said. His disciples were listening to what he said. Now, in verse 15 through 20, uh, Jesus went in and flipped some tables. Uh, he was, he was, uh, it was a whole thing. They didn't like it. Let's go down to verse 20. In the morning, as they were passing by, the disciples saw the fig tree that had withered away from the roots up. And remembering, Peter said to him, Rabbi, or Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him in accordance to God's will. For this reason, I am telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, believe with confident trust that you have received them and they will be given to you. Listen, the, dis the disciples were astonished at what happened. They were astonished at the fig tree because they remembered what Jesus said out of his mouth. Look at this. Jesus wasn't surprised at all. He understood the power of what he said. Jesus was in full expectation that what he said was going to take place. So much, he didn't even look back at the fig tree. They had to come tell him that the fig tree was dead. He didn't even look to go check to see if it was dead. He said it. He was in expectation. And he was like, oh, that, that. listen, son, listen, have faith and confidence in God. If you believe, if you had the full expectation without anything, you could say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea, and it will be done unto you. Why? Because he understood the power of his words. He understood the power of, of putting these things, this, what comes out of your mouth. He understood that. Peter, uh, uh, the words, this is important, I wrote this down. The words of a faith-filled believer who has been made brand new by Christ's power, so much so that when we, excuse me, let me back that up. The words of a faith-filled believer who has been made brand new by Christ's power are powerful. So much so that when we speak things that are aligned with the will of God, the heavens and earth have to respond to what we say. We have power in our heaven and earth has to respond to what we say when we speak things that are in the will of God. That's why we have to be careful what comes out of our mouth. We can't just be saying just stuff. We can't just be just speaking as if it don't mean nothing. My wife, my wife will tell you, I come, I, this is, unfortunately, this is not the first big idea I've had. And my wife knows I'll come in the living room and I'm like, babe, I think, uh, I think I got something. I think I got something. And she was like, no, wait, please, just wait. Because we, we just got over the last thing that we did. But what, what we have seen together 
what we have seen together is that when we, when we say something, and you, you feel that thing right, y'all know what I'm, you feel that thing right here, and you begin to speak that thing, that I, I, oh, I wish I could see in the spirit. I can imagine the angels just moving instantly to just move heaven and earth to make that thing happen because we're in a line with the will of God. What if we took every word we said as serious as that? I bet you we would say less. I bet you we would speak a little less. Because when you have something that's powerful, you don't just use it up. You don't just be just, no, 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 no. This is powerful. I got to be careful in the way that I just use that. I'm not just going to waste my words on anything because I understand the power of my words. So sometimes I'm just going to be a little quiet. So what does this mean? It means that we have to learn to speak differently. As we spend time in the Word, as we spend time with the Lord, as we spend time renewing our mind, as we change what we're listening to, as we change what we're watching, as we change what we're hearing, we change the conversations that we're a part of, a transformation is taking place. And we don't say the things that we used to say. We don't have the commentary that we used to have, the sarcasm, the, the cynicism, the lack of empathy that we speak with, the lack of love that we speak with. It, we leave that in the old life because we understand that we cannot bring that to the new life and call ourselves people who have been renewed by Christ. If you are in a conversation with an unbeliever and y'all talking the same way, something is a problem. There is a problem there. There is a problem. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, do not let any unwholesome. Some of y'all said got, got an attitude because I talked about cussing. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Before you say something, ask yourself, is this benefiting the people who are listening? Yeah. I know you got opinions. We all got opinions. That don't mean you got to share them. You can keep them to yourself. Sometimes it's preferred. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Colossians chapter 4 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer any person. He said, let it be great. Sometimes we just need to show a little more grace. The expectation that we have for people, the lack of patience and empathy, that's not how believers who've been renewed by Christ should speak. I, calm down. Can I, I'm just saying it plainly. Calm down. Be gracious. Because everybody is walking through something. And we're all moving through it at different paces, at different speeds, at different... And somebody may not be moving as fast as you today. And tomorrow you may not be moving as fast as them. Just be gracious 
He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Some of us need to stop talking and listen before we speak. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. Sometimes we're so quick to give somebody a response because they're talking to us. Take a second and listen. Lord, what are you saying? How would you have me to speak in this moment? Would you have me to speak in this moment? You know, one of the most powerful things you can say is I don't know. A lot of times we want to give answers, and I got the answers, and let me tell you what it is. You say, I don't know, but let me pray for you. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know this myself, but I know someone who does. So how about we go together to them and see what the Lord has to say? God cares about what we say because what we say has the power to shape our world. New speaking. New thinking leads us to new speaking. New speaking leads us to new responding. The way that we respond to life and to the situations we face matter. When trials come, when situations arise, when a crisis happens, when we're facing an attack, as someone who has been made brand new, we respond differently because of what we know and because of who we know. We don't retreat back to this old way of thinking and this old way of being. We stay in faith. When I first got married, I don't know why I keep going back here, but when I first got married, my wife would tell you when I was in financial difficulties, this was my one response. I would, I'd be like, baby, you know what a pawn shop is? <laughs> right, baby? She was, why you always want to pawn something? <laughs> but see, I grew up not having money. And what was around me was pawn shops. And so whenever you were in a situation where you didn't have money, you just pawn something that you had. And then when you get the money, you go get it back. I grew up thinking that that's just what you, I, I'm sorry, I didn't grow up like y'all. I grew up, I was broke, I was broke, broke, okay? And that's what we did. Some of y'all was like, what is a pawn shop? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Ask somebody on the way out. But she had to Teach me to train myself to respond differently. Instead of taking it into my own hands, I had to make a decision and learn to respond in faith. I don't need to pawn nothing. What I need to do is stop trying to do it in myself and let God do it. Let God do it. The way we respond to situations matter. We respond differently because of what we know and who we know. Matthew chapter 15, uh, uh, verse 21 After leaving, after leaving there, Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that district came out and began to cry urgently, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly possessed by a demon. But he didn't say nothing to her. But his disciples came and asked him repeatedly, send her away because she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was commissioned by God and sent only to the lost sheep of the house of the Israel. She came and began to kneel down before him saying, Lord, help me. And he replied, it is not good. It is not appropriate. It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the pet dogs. She said, yes, Lord. But even the pet dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus answered her, woman, your faith, your personal trust and confidence in my power is great. It will be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that very moment. 
Jesus was moved by her faith, and her faith was displayed in the way that she responded. Because let me tell you something, you call me a dog, we're going to have a different conversation. I'm just, no, that's, that's old me, let me come back, let me come back. Brand new, brand new, okay, brand new. But Jesus was moved by her faith, but it was showed in the way that she responded. Even in the face of a certain no, she chose not to put her faith in who she was, but in who Jesus was. And her response moved the hand of God. If you've ever been in a situation where you've had a certain no, if you've ever been in a place when there was no way, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. She chose to put her faith not in who she was, but she chose to put her faith in who God was. Our response, the way that we respond to trials, the way we respond to situations, the way that we respond to people, it matters. And as we walk in this life, we can no longer respond out of fear and out of offense. We have to respond in faith. We have to respond in faith. Isaiah 38, verse 1, in those days Hezekiah became sick. He was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came and said, for the Lord says this, set your house in order and prepare a will for you shall die and you will not live. Then Hezekiah responded. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, just remember how I've walked with you in faithfulness and truth and with a whole heart absolutely devoted to you and have done what is good in your sight. And he wept greatly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go, go back, go back. Go and say to Hezekiah, For the Lord the God of David, your father, says this, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Listen carefully. I will add 15 years to your life. I will rescue you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city, Jerusalem. How we respond matters, and in here, we see it don't just matter for us, it matters for us, it matters for our household, it matters for our city, it matters for all of those around us in the way that we respond. Please understand, it's not just about you. It's not just about you, but when you tell those faith stories, other people get inspired. In both of these situations, the perspective and the proximity that the person had made the difference in how they responded. Instead of looking at their situation, they chose to look at Jesus. They chose to look at God. The way that we respond to something is going to be determined by what we're looking at. The way that we respond to something is going to be determined by what we're looking at. What are our eyes What our eyes are fixed on will determine the way that we respond. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you looking at your problem or are you looking at God? 
What are you looking at? Proximity. You had this conversation earlier. Proximity. If you are close to your problem, your problem will always seem bigger. But if you're close to God, God will always seem bigger than your problem. He will always be bigger than your problem. The question is, what are you close to? Because when you're close to him, that problem is going to be little and your God is always going to be way bigger. What are you looking at? How are you responding? Hebrews 12 says, look, we look away from the natural realm. And we focus our attention and our expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that we would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. Now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne. Are we fixing our eyes on the problem or are we fixing our eyes on God? Because that will determine how we respond. It is so important that you understand that the way you speak and the way that you respond matters. If you are to walk in the brand new life that God has for you, the way that you think has to change. The way that you believe has to change. The way that you speak has to be different. And the way that you respond has to be different. Uh, Nick, as I close, I'm, I'm reminded of my son. I'm reminded of my son, Caden. Some of you no, some of you may, may be new and, and, and you may not know, but I have two boys, Cadence and Caius. My youngest, Cadence, he is five, excuse me, my oldest, Cadence, he's five, about to, uh, he just turned five, yes, okay. He's five. I love my son, I promise. All right. <laughs> he's five years old. Um, when he was born, uh, it was a surprise to everybody, including myself and my wife. Um, Cadence was born a preemie. Uh, we were on our way to an appointment, and um, we were going to skip the appointment because we was hungry. Um, and I said, you know what? Things have been good. Let's just go get something to eat. Um, but my wife said, you know what? She, she hates canceling appointments. I will cancel an appointment in a heartbeat. Uh, but she, she hates canceling appointments. She said, you know what? We're already on the way. Let's just go, and then we'll go get something to eat, and we'll go, go buy some, because uh, we wanted to buy a crib. And it was early. And we went to the appointment, and, and, and they, her blood pressure was high. And uh, they couldn't get it down. And they all running around and being excited, and, and they, 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 I said, y'all are making the blood pressure high. That's why, because y'all running around and acting crazy. And he said, no, we, we can't seem to get it down, so we're going to send you over to, uh, to, to, across to Davis, and um, we're going to just see if they can get it down for you. So we said, okay. Um, we went over there, and, and um, it, it's like a hospital room, and this baby's being born, and I'm, I'm getting nervous. I'm like, okay, this is a little much going on. 
And so they begin strapping her up, and they're testing the baby's heartbeat, and they're trying to get her blood pressure down. They can't get her blood pressure down, and they finally tell us, hey, uh, we need to send you guys downtown to Sacramento um, uh, and, and see what can happen there. And at this time, we are, I mean, my head is in a fog. They tell me, hey, go home, get her some clothes, get her something. She's probably going to have to stay overnight, and we're going to try to figure out what's going on. And we got there, and we were up all night long. And they're coming in, moving the belt, and waking us up, and it's all kinds of things going on. And my wife, and she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her. Um, and they came in uh, very early in the morning, and they, like four or five of them. And um, they said, hey. Uh, we're at the point now where this baby uh, is, is going to be better out if we take him now than in. Um, my wife suffered a pl placenta abruption, um, and the baby's heart rate is not good. And that's why her blood pressure is going up. Now, this is December the 22nd that this happened. The baby was supposed to be born May, March. March. And they looking at me like, right, right? It's better that we do it now, right? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. And so they said, we're going to give you a couple minutes, and then we're going to come in, and we need to make this happen. In that moment, I had to make a decision. We had to make a decision how we were going to respond. Now, in the flesh, I'm confused. I'm upset. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening to my wife. We've committed our life to, to telling people about Jesus. We've traveled the world telling people about the goodness of God. And at that point, I'm like, if anybody should have a good pregnancy, it's, you know. And I wanted to say, why, God? Why would you do this? But in that moment, I had to, we had to make a decision to respond differently. And I'll never forget, I woke up and, and, and my wife is crying and she's gone and she says, hey, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray. And we prayed and she says, God, God told me something. And she gave me a word for our kid. And she began telling me what that word was. And from that moment forward, we made the decision. Although fear was there, we made the decision not to move in fear. Okay? We made a decision not to move in fear. We had to respond differently. And I said, okay, and we got together and, and we prayed and we began to hold hands. And even as the process happened, as we were going through it, we still continued to walk by faith. Cadence was born and, and uh, we went through, of course, the, 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 the process. And it was little. It was one pound, 11 ounces. Small. He was so small that I could fit this wedding ring up his hand all the way over his shoulder. And they said, hey, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to walk through over these next weeks, over this next year. Uh, um, but, but, you know, it's going to be all determined about how he does in these next couple of weeks. So every night, calling by his bedside, 
uh, uh, being plugged up to stuff and Brady's and all these different terminologies. We're walking through this. And for 52 days, we had to make a decision as to how we would respond in that situation. And it was hard. I didn't feel like responding in faith. I didn't feel like praying. I didn't feel like, oh, this is going to be great. No, 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 no. But I had to make a decision anyway. That regardless of what it looks like, regardless of the situation, regardless of how I feel, I have to respond in faith. And we walked for 52 days, every day, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we encountered some people there, some, some people who were there, and I didn't know it until I left And I got an email one day from another one of the families that were there in the NICU unit with us. And he said, thank you for displaying the faith that you displayed with your kid, with Cadence. Because of the faith that you had, it enabled us to have faith for our kid that was in there as well. Thank you for displaying the love of God through your faith. Because you believed, we believed. The way that we respond matters. The way that we speak matters. I could have been in there raising all kind of hay, but I didn't. Because I chose to make, we chose to make a decision to walk by faith. To respond as if God had already done it. To respond as if we we were assured and confident of this. That he who started the thing will finish it in us. And we were confident. And guess what? I'm not saying that every situation will turn out great and that every situation is going to turn out in the favor. What I'm saying is that no matter what it looks like, no matter how it turns out, we still have to respond by faith. We have to respond trusting God. God, I don't know why the healing didn't come. God, I don't know why. But you know what? I'm still choosing to respond, and I'm choosing to trust you. Not my will, but let yours be done. And we may not see it until the other side of heaven. We may not know until we get to heaven and God reveals it to us if he reveals it to us. But as believers, as people who love God, as people who call ourselves close followers of Jesus, we make a decision that no matter what, we will respond by faith. We will speak, we will be cautious of how we speak because life and death resides in the power of our tongues. We will think and believe as God has called us to think and believe in his word because we will see the brand new life that God has for us.